Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. From The Recount, I'm Rena Ninen, and you're listening to The Recount Daily Pod. Today's Tuesday, October 19th. We need to start those habits of like making one less paper towel, making one less napkin, one less disposable fork. And to do that, you need to be conscious of what you're actually throwing away. That was Michael Sear, co-founder of Cup Zero, a company looking to cut down on waste by starting with all those cups that we use once and throw away. My colleague Britt Terrell interviewed Michael for the podcast. But first, the morning headlines. An emergency halt to stopping abortions, that's what the Justice Department is asking the Supreme Court for in Texas. It's America's most restrictive abortion law, Texas SB 8. The Biden administration, in its filing, called it a violation of the Constitution. Abortion has become nearly impossible in the state since the six-week ban went into effect on September 1st. The law and a previous block on it has bounced around federal courts and appeals courts in recent weeks. Now the administration and abortion providers are asking for the Supreme Court to take up the issue in its current term. The State Department is opening a series of investigations into the Biden administration's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan and its aftermath. That's according to a letter the department's acting inspector general sent to several congressional committees. The investigations will focus on the resettlement of Afghan refugees and the evacuation of America's embassy in Kabul. In related news, U.S. envoy to Afghanistan, Zalmay Khalilzad, announced that he would be stepping down effective today. On behalf of both the Trump and Biden administrations, Khalilzad, who is Afghan-American, led long negotiations with the Taliban, who now control the country. And lastly, Environmental Protection Agency head Michael Regan announced plans on Monday to tackle a harmful group of pollutive man-made chemicals known as PFAs. This strategy will leverage EPA's existing authority to take bold action to restrict chemicals from entering the air, the water, and land at all levels that are harmful to public health and the environment. PFAs are commonly known as forever chemicals because of their staying power, whether in the environment or the bloodstream. They've been linked to thyroid disease, cancer, and developmental problems in children. The EPA could force companies to pay or even lead environmental cleanup efforts, set limits for PFAs in drinking water, and require manufacturers 
to report on the toxicity of their own products. PFAs are often found in products like nonstick frying pans, stain-resistant rugs, and even biodegradable containers. Which brings us to our interview with Michael Sear, all about recycling and reducing the use of disposables. And now to our interview. I'm Britt Terrell, filling in for Rena Nainen. Recycling, it's been held out as a solution to waste since its start, at least in its modern form in the 1960s. But it turns out that very little of the plastic you dutifully put in your recycling bin ends up being used again. The costs to successful recycling, most of which are covered on a local level in the U.S., are prohibitive. And even then, recycling is a market. And it turns out that these days, there are few buyers, which is a big part of the equation. So how can we really cut down on waste? I'm joined today by Michael Sear, co-founder of Cup Zero and operational consultant for the Zero Waste Movement, who will break it all down for us. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited to talk to you because I feel like we talk about recycling all the time. It's a huge part of the discussion that's going on when it comes to the environment. But, you know, the modern recycling industry in the U.S. has been broken for a long time. It's costly. The logistics are challenging. Can you break down the issues with us? That What's been plaguing it for so long? Well, I think first and foremost, we were sold a dream, right? That if we as consumers put something in the blue bin, you know, all of our consumption problems have been absolved and someone else is going to take care of it. Uh, but really, recycling is not a bunch of tree huggers or hippies in a drum circle. It's a global scrap material trade that relies on businesses and companies to actually purchase those scrap materials that they can use. And if there's no use for a company to buy a kind of material, then the recycling chain doesn't actually work. So I want you to speak more about this because I don't think that it's widely known that once you recycle, it doesn't naturally just get recycled. Yeah, you know, the story that we're taught uh, as people and, and as kids in schools is like blue bin to the truck to the sorting facility. And that's where the story ends, right? Yep. But that's really half of the journey because that material needs to be, you know, shipped around the world to find buyers elsewhere. So for the most part, it is a commodities market. Those prices rise and fall on a daily basis and big global factors tend to, you know, crash or, or boost up that market. And we kind of came off a perfect storm in 2017. A lot of people heard about, you know, how China is no longer buying our materials. Um, that's actually the, the the peak of it and actually the, the turn of it because they held the Olympics a couple of years beforehand and they needed a feedstock, right? So they were very eager to buy everything that they could. And so we were really accustomed to having an automatic buyer for almost everything with very low standards for years. And then they realized that there was way too much for them to handle. A lot of stuff is actually not really useful downstream. So they in implemented a national policy to stop taking certain kinds of materials. And so in 2017, that was a lot of plastics. Um, that was a lot of mixed papers like our junk mail and things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, the biggest buyer in the world, and there's no replacement for China, was totally gone. So China stopped buying our waste largely because what they were getting was contaminated and they themselves weren't able to do what they needed to do with it, right? It was just way too much. But what is the solution to that? The answer is making less, right? Like we need to make less waste in the first place. Right. So we don't need to continually find outlets for it. But the U.S. just has not caught up to build that infrastructure. China had the infrastructure to take on that waste. 
for decades, right? And so we're decades behind implementing our own structure here, and it's going to be more expensive here. One of the things that you said in your TED Talk, you argue that we are addicted to single-use plastic, and rather than reduce, reuse, recycle, we need to reduce, reuse, and rethink. What do you mean by that? And why don't you think recycling is sustainable as it is right now? Well, recycling should really be the last resort, right? It's in that order for a reason. And there's some more R's out there. There's, you know, refuse and refill. But recycling should really be the last resort. To put it in another way, yeah. like let's say you spend all night making a lasagna. It's your, your grandma's recipe. You make the, the sauce from scratch. You layer everything carefully. And then you take one bite and put it in the compost bin. Okay. You know, sure, that's better than the trash can, but like spending resources, time, energy, shipping across the world to use something for 10 minutes is just never, ever going to make sense. For those listening that are avid recyclers, what is your advice so that they can make sure that what they recycle actually gets recycled? They should keep recycling and all hope is not lost. But really, if they're avid recyclers, then they're ready for the next step and how they can start reducing some of those things coming into their household. Okay. And the hope that I see is that there's a lot of solutions coming out from the business world. Uh, and that's on all phases, right? So like I have a company on Cups. We work with concert venues, festivals, big events to provide a really turnkey washing service so that they can still have zero waste and not have to worry about any of the headaches of washing and pressing it. But there's another company on reusable delivery containers. Um, there's refillable grocery stores coming out. So the solutions are becoming available to actually make less waste, whereas we didn't always have that choice. So there is a lot of hope out there. And Really, you got to vote with your dollar every day. Uh, what you buy dictates how the world is going to move. So if you can take an extra couple minutes to uh, cut your carrots instead of buying the, the prepackaged, pre-cut carrots, that's one step. But we do also need to not take it slow and, and do one step at a time. It really is time for drastic systematic change because it, it is a dire situation. It is really urgent. We are at an emergency and we need to take drastic steps, but there is there is hope out there. As someone that's worked in this industry for so long, are you starting to see a change from these much bigger corporations? Are they trying to reduce their waste and reduce their environmental impact? I, I think we're still in the greenwashing phase where every big company has a sustainability section on their website with nice green leaves and a, a zoomed out picture of a forest on it. And I think everyone's doing something, but I don't think it's really addressing the problem. Uh, that being said, I think they can see the trends coming. And so I think they're honestly already prepared for a solution to actually be good humans and good companies. They just haven't been pushed to it because of market needs. So Starbucks is a good example, right? They just don't want to lose market share. And so they're kind of forced into doing this thing. They launched a reusable cup program. And it's not because I think they want to, it's because mm -hmm. there's reusable cup companies out there popping up. Right. They're responding to the market. But we're driving that market, right? We, we also are complicit in driving it to where it's been, right? We voted for cheap and convenient for a while, but we can make those decisions in the other way too. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back with Cup Zero co-founder Michael Sear on the Recount Daily Pod. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, 
What's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with Cup Zero co-founder Michael Sear talking about recycling and waste reduction and what we can do to fix it. You know, it seems like there's a patchwork of, of different recycling approaches that are happening across the U.S. Recently, we saw in Maine, they've implemented a solution to charge the actual company that creates the packaging to pay for recycling. Do you think that this will work? I'll talk to the state side piece first, you know, and everyone listening should know that recycling is different everywhere. And that's not just on state to state level. Um, that's also on town to town level. That's also from a business in one town to your home at a town. Uh, recycling is different everywhere you go. And really, it's based on the capabilities of that sorting facility. And then furthermore, it, it makes sense really at scale and near ports. So like New York okay. and California, there's a lot of waste going through. They're near the cheapest shipping option. And like that's where recycling works. The middle of the country, you've got to truck things to the coast, right? So that's just going to add on costs right. you know, from the start. I think Maine did a really great job because it's all-encompassing. It takes the burden and the costs of recycling off of municipalities. So instead of deciding whether you're gonna cut the music program or filling potholes and recycle instead, you don't have to make that tough choice anymore. Mm-hmm. It's also gonna put that cost onto the companies, which I don't think they're gonna fully absorb. I think that's going to be passed on to us in one way or another. Okay. But the key difference is they don't have a team right now focused on what happens to their packaging. Whereas they're going to build a team to find out what the cheapest way to actually put their packaging into the main state. So I want to zoom out a bit and talk about what's happening on a global scale. In other countries around the world, you know, they're also facing recycling and waste problems. Some seem to be having more success than the U.S. Some seem to be struggling more than the U.S. What are the different approaches out there? What's working and what isn't? Europe is working, or better than us, and I wouldn't say it's perfect, but um, they've had reuse and refill systems for a long time. So a lot of their beverage containers are actually refillable glass bottles, and they have a higher deposit on them. The crate that it comes in also has a deposit on it. That system is working, and your Coca-Cola bottle is actually reused many, many times. You can see the you know, the processing impacts of it. And that's a cultural thing that is happening at the moment. Other places around the world, uh, Africa, for example, is both a big threat and a really big opportunity. So right now, the same packaging is flowing into Africa as a continent, but there's no infrastructure to actually take it away and remove it or recycle it or or do anything with it. So right now, a lot of it's being burned, but that also paves the way to kind of have these technological leaps just like they never built landlines for telephones and they went straight to cell phones, I think they can go straight to the next step of reuse models. I don't think a lot of people realize the carbon footprint it has when it comes to producing plastic, but also you mentioned 
burning plastic, which must have its own carbon footprint as well. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Not just plastic, everything has an impact in creating it, right? If you're going to make right. a paper cup, you have to cut down a tree to make paper cups. Um, if you're going to make plastic forks, plastic is made from oil, right? So you have to drill that somehow, you have to transport that oil, you have to refine it and make it. So all of that takes energy and resources. And if you translate them into CO2 emissions, it's actually mm -hmm. quite, <laughs> quite large. Usually when we think of recycling, we think of newspapers and boxes and bottles and cans. And as we were saying earlier, we put them in their own specific bins. But there is a lot more that we can recycle, correct? What are some of the lesser known recyclables that can really make a difference when it comes to reducing waste? Well, I actually think we, we kind of have the opposite problem, that there's a recycling symbol placed on almost everything when that's not actually true. Okay. An Amazon package, for example, you know, it says recycle me all over it. And while technically you can find a way to recycle that, logistically, it's not actually going to happen. It doesn't make sense economically. It's just really, really low, low cases that that's actually going to happen. And why is that? The price per ton of film plastic is really low. So it's okay. about... $10 a ton. So if you think about 2000 pounds of plastic bags or, or packaging, right. that's a lot. And then if you think about paying, you know, union drivers to drive around on a big $300,000 truck to collect 2000 pounds of something, you're, you're never going to do it in the slice of time where it's going to be worth $10. And that's really just the, the math of it. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with Cup Zero co-founder Michael Sear on the Recount Daily Pod. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from the Recount and iHeartRadio. We're here with Cup Zero co-founder Michael Sear. So I want to follow up with you and talk about compostables and bioplastics. These are supposed to be the solution, right? Just make products that compost on their own and don't need to be recycled. Yeah, that's a, a Band-Aid and, and shifting uh, one disposable to the other. Bioplastics especially are really tricky and I think a really dangerous greenwash. Just like mm -hmm. you can make gasoline from corn, you can also make plastic from plants. And so molecularly, it's the same as plastic, so it behaves like plastic downstream. So if it ends up in the ocean or the landfill, it's going to stay there just as long as plastic is. It's just made from a different source. And furthermore, the composting facilities that are set up often screen them out as contaminants. And right now, I think we're seeing the truth come out that compost facilities are pushing back and saying, we don't want to accept this material anymore. The ones that do, they're also getting, you know, pallets of old chicken from a grocery store and they have a, a shredding machine and it pulls out anything that looks and feels like plastic. So 
that process doesn't know if it's been made from corn or whatever. It's going to screen it out because it looks and feels like a, a regular plastic thing. And those are all being landfills. Does the U.S. federal government play a role in our recycling, whether whether it's covering cost or whether it's how we do it? Where do they fit into all of this? I think they could play a role if we wanted to go that way. They could subsidize recycling, just like they're subsidizing corn or sugar or something like that. Uh, they could make the economics of recycling a little bit easier. That being said, I don't think that's the best long-term strategy. Really, we need to stop focusing on recycling and focus on reuse and reduction models instead. So one thing that the government could do is start implementing more bans of certain material types. So the plastic bag ban, for example, that's across eight states at the moment. Um, plastic bags are notoriously not recyclable. And a five cent fee on those actually has been shown to reduce use rates of up to 50% pretty immediately. They could take that same concept into other hard to recycle materials like coffee cups, for example. Those are lined with plastic, so they're not recyclable. We need to start having bans and fees on other hard-to-recycle materials that municipalities are taking on. What is your biggest piece of advice to those that want to do better when it comes to their waste daily? They should look in their trash. Look at what you're producing. Look what's coming into your home or your office. Pick one thing and, and try to eliminate that because there is a way to do it. It just takes a little bit of a shift of what we're currently doing. You start with one and then you take down two and then three and then four and then we get all the way to zero. So really begin to ask questions about your own habits. Mm -hmm. Trash and waste especially, it's really this out of sight, out of mind thing where you put something in a bin or even if in your trash can, right? It's in like a black bag okay. and like it prevents you from seeing the sides of it. Uh, even a clear bag would help you see what you're producing and what you're going in. And we need to start those habits of like making one less paper towel, making one less napkin, one less disposable fork. And to do that, you need to be conscious of what you're actually throwing away. Hold on to your trash for two weeks and see how you feel about it. <laughs> Michael Sear is co-founder of Cup Zero and operational consultant for the Zero Waste Movement. Thank you so much for joining us. I've loved our conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Britt, thank you so much. And now for a look ahead at what else we're watching today. Steve Bannon is expected to face a criminal contempt charge for failing to comply with a subpoena. The select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol is meeting today to vote on the matter. Bannon, formerly President Trump's chief strategist, claims that any discussions he had with Trump are protected by executive privilege. But according to Congressman Adam Schiff, those claims don't apply because Bannon stopped working in the White House in 2017. That's more than three years before the 2021 insurrection. As for the former president himself, he's suing the committee, as well as the National Archives, to block the release of his administration's records related to the attack. The first exchange-traded fund based on Bitcoin futures is making its debut on the New York Stock Exchange. This won't allow investors to buy Bitcoin, but it's seen as a milestone for the cryptocurrency industry, given how highly regulated the financial world is. If you're looking out for it, not that I am giving any of you any investment advice, the ticker is BITO. And major congrats to the Chicago Sky for their WNBA championship win on Sunday. Tonight, the 75th season of the NBA begins. The big game to watch, the Brooklyn Nets versus the defending champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. Seven-time All-Star point guard Kyrie Irving will be missing from the Nets lineup after refusing to get vaccinated. 
Have a great day, everyone. I'll see you back tomorrow. This is the Recount Daily Pod, a podcast from The Recount. Our thanks to Michael Sear for being on the show. And if you like this episode, I hope you subscribe to The Recount Daily Pod and do leave us a rating on the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Rena Nine. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.